I'm Dave Rubin and this is the Rubin Report. Reminder everybody to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that notification bell. And joining me today is an ex-police officer and co-founder of the Blexit movement, Brandon Tatum. Welcome back to the Rubin Report. How you doing, Dave, man? Good to see you again. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us. I know this is last minute and you are stretched a million ways because of everything going on right now. So uh, for the people that don't know you, we're going to link to our original interview down below, but can you just do like a couple minute Brandon Tatum 101 uh, about your childhood and what got you into policing and then out of policing, and then we're gonna obviously talk about everything going on right now. Okay, cool, I, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I grew up in a split home, mom and daddy wasn't together, and they didn't even know their parents, or at least their, their, their fathers. And, and so people would project that I would have a certain outcome in life, maybe I wouldn't be successful. But see, that wasn't true. Um, God had a plan for me, even though uh, I, my parents were fostering me to be the best that they could do. Um, I ended up getting arrested at eight years old for smoking marijuana in a vacant house. And my dad had a very stern and strong conversation with me after that incident, which led me to want to get into sports and want to do the right thing from that point moving forward. All-American football player. I played college football at the University of Arizona. And uh, after the NFL didn't work out for me. I needed a job, I needed a career. I never thought about being a police officer a day in my life. And uh, I signed up because I needed some money. I needed a good career. And um, I did a ride along with the police department because I had to figure out what the heck am I gonna actually do if they hired me. And after I did a ride along, it just blew me away. I was inspired for the first time in my life. I saw a hero in Officer Sean Payne who took me on that ride along. Um, I started to get into politics later in my career as a police officer. And that just led me to where I'm at now. Now I'm doing uh, things on my own, on my own business, working with Candace Owens. We co-founded Blexit. And uh, now I'm on Dave Rubin for the second time. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit uh, about how when you were a police officer that you sort of knew how to speak the language of the people in these communities. So you kind of were a bridge between the communities that were being policed or that needed the policing the most and the actual police officers, because I think that'll probably be a good segue to get us to everything else happening right now. Yeah, because I grew up with, with a lot of exposure to a lot of things that I dealt with as a police officer in these communities. You know, I didn't grow up in a peachy household, you know. My mom and dad were separated, like I said before, and my stepdad was a gangbanger, and he uh, used to use drugs, and he ended up dying from a heroin overdose. So some of the problems that we dealt with in the inner city, I was exposed to them myself, and so I could speak to individuals, and for some reason, and I don't know why, because you're still going to go to jail the same way, but because I was black, a lot of African-American people in the communities that I patrolled, they saw, um, I guess, a connection with me. And so I was able to be sort of the liaison or, you know, a lack of better terms, the black person whisperer. They used to always get me to come to the, the scene to talk and to calm down individuals. And like I said, because I've been there, done that, I was able to communicate effectively. Okay, so as I said earlier, we're going to link down uh, to, the, to the other interview that we did so people can get more of your story. But let's jump into the current situation. So first off, Let's talk about the incident itself and, and the video that now everybody has seen and has millions and millions and millions of views. What happened to George Floyd? Um, from your outsider perspective, just knowing the amount that we can know from, from video, what, were, what went wrong? Did anything go right? What were the other officers doing? What are you supposed to do as an officer in a situation like that? Just, just lay it all out. 
Yeah, if we had a, a training video to show you what not to do as a police officer and what not to do as responding officers, this would probably be a perfect example. Um, I don't see or I don't have any information of what happened before this gentleman ended up on the ground. But what I can tell you as a police officer, a former police officer, is that it's unacceptable to have your knee on a man's neck for, I don't know, eight, nine minutes. It, it, there's no reason. He's handcuffed. He's on the ground. You have leverage over him. And he's complaining of having medical issues. People are recording you and you still remain in the position that seems to be putting this gentleman at a, at a life and death situation. So as a former police officer, any rational person, you should be rendering aid. You should back off of the guy. And there was a concept that I said in a video that I made on my YouTube channel is a concept of excited delirium. And a lot of people never heard of the concept of excited delirium. Maybe um, if you're not in law enforcement, you probably will never hear of it. But excited delirium is a theory that when people are hyped up on drugs, um, those uppers like PCP, methamphetamine, it gets your heart rate up, gets your adrenaline rushing. And what happens, you become a superhuman and then your body begin to crash. So you go down a path of crashing, kind of like if you drink sugar and then you get tired or sleepy afterwards. But this crash, it goes and it continues until you die. And we are trained as police officers to be able to observe that. And some of what Mr. George Floyd was experiencing seemed to be a level of excited delirium. So when, when a mm -hmm. guy is going down like that, a police officer should back off, render aid, roll him on his side, make sure he can breathe because he could be hyperventilating. He could be having some distress that may not be a direct connection with your knee on his neck. Um, and you should know that as a police officer. So it seems to me that part of the reaction to this one that is totally justified um, is that the, the officer had his hand in his pocket, almost as if, I'm not even trying here. I can just do whatever I want. What do you think, and I know you can't read their minds, but the other three officers uh, that are standing there, what, what do you think is going on in their minds as they're watching this? I mean, put you know, we're, everyone's laying blame where it should be lamed at the officer who did this. But, but what about the other guys? Because that gets to when people start talking about the culture of policing. Yeah, I don't think it's so much of a, of a cultural response. It's, it's of a human nature. You know, the other officers, I'm assuming, are waiting for the next officer to say something. And nobody ever says anything. And then I believe that that officer seems to be... Uh, somewhat of the lead officer on the case. He's the most, um, I guess, may, it could be the most experienced. He's the most dominant. And so I'm assuming, and, and I don't know if this is what they were thinking, but I've seen this happen before, is once operational momentum gets underway, there are officers who are assuming and, and hoping to God that the officer with his knee on the guy's neck is acting in good faith and is not going to kill the guy and get everybody fired. So there's a little bit of uh, expecting the officers to all do their own job and expecting the officer who who is coming across as the leader to not kill a man in cold blood. So I think that there's a little bit of cowardice that goes on in people in general. And I see some of that could have probably spilled over to this law enforcement experience um, with George Floyd. When you see that video, do you immediately view it through a racial lens. You know, the way the media pushes everything on us is that we have to see this as white officer, uh, you know, black man, that we have to view it purely through that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't see it through that lens, but that there are probably several lenses 
that we should see these things. When you see that, how much of your reaction to it is just viewed through the racial prism alone? Well, Dave, I never look at things racially unless I have a reason to. So when I looked at this video, I see what I believe to be cop or police misconduct and I see a man struggling for his life or potentially having a medical issue with no officers rendering aid. Race never entered into my mind, not one time. And unless I saw that the officer was a Klan's member or he came out and said he hate black people or something of that nature that would have instigated me to have that thought process, I don't even go down that road because it's pointless, it's counterproductive, and all it does is create division and we can never get to a solution anywhere, anyhow. Because some of the officers, I think it was only one officer that was white, and that was the officer that was using force, but the other, other officers are going to be held accountable as well. They all got fired, and they were of other races. So to project and make it as this is a black and white racial tension thing is disingenuous, and it's hurtful to the narrative, and it's hurtful to us actually getting justice where justice is deserved. Yeah, so, okay, so since I think everyone watching this probably agrees with that, I mean, any sensible person, we want justice to be served. Obviously, they've been taken into custody and hopefully the system will deal with them appropriately. So we have to shift to now what's becoming the, the bigger story here. So as the guy that co-founded Blexit with Candace Owens, it seems to me that you guys have made just absolutely staggering amounts of traction in terms of waking up black people to you don't have to be a Democrat, which is just a simple fact of the world. Your skin color, of course, should not dictate what political party you are. Um, so first, let me just start, let, let's, let's just start with that. How is that just connected to all of this? The, the narrative that we're seeing right now, that America is racist, and that policing is racist and it's systemic and that our founding is racist. How, how is all of that stuff connected to why you guys wanted to start Blexit? Yeah, because when you think about it for what it is, it's like we are outraged. We are burning, built, burning down communities, protesting and rioting days in, day in and day out for what? And what I have observed and Candace alike, what we have observed is that we have been brainwashed into thinking with our emotions and not thinking with facts. Man, when you look at the numbers, they're very, very clear. In 2019, and we'll go to 2020 so far, but in 2019, there were nine African-American people shot who were unarmed. Most people can put two and two together and realize that just because you're unarmed don't mean you're not a threat, don't mean that it's unjustified. But for the sake of arguing, just say that all nine unarmed black males were killed by police unjustifiably. There is 44 million black people. I have lost count of the zeros in the percentage of you getting killed by a police officer unjustifiably. And when you look at those numbers, and then you go and you look at the amount of black people who get killed on a day-to-day -day basis through black-on-black -black violence, and you do not see the same level of outrage, the same level of protest, we can clearly see that it's some brainwashing going on. And what Candace and I want to do is just outfit people with the truth and give them an outlet to say, I don't have to just think and be ignorant just because I'm black. I can have an open mind. I can see what's really going on. Some of these people live in the hood. Some of these people know that they're not afraid of the police. They know that they're afraid of gang violence and abuse that happens in the inner city. A lot of people know that it has something to do with social economic status and not just necessarily the color of your skin. So we are pushing truth. 
And initially it hurts, man. A lot of people hate us initially. They don't want to hear from us. We coon, sell out, Uncle Tom's. But as time goes along and they can see that there's a BS narrative being pushed, they can see that, that black people are destroying their own communities, that it has gotten out of control. They begin to see people like myself and Candace who are promoting facts and they begin to wake up. It's simple mathematics. So I got to bring up a guy who I know you know, and I know you saw this moment when Larry Elder beat me senseless with facts and woke <laughs> me up, woke me up to so much of this stuff, right? Um, but what do you do with a certain set of people who don't respond to facts? Because even on Twitter for the last 24 hours, I tried to take the weekend off, it, it didn't work that well, but just in the last 24 hours of being on Twitter, I see the type of stuff that you're putting out there. I see the type of stuff that a lot of conservatives are putting out there re relative to facts and numbers and all of these things. And I never see any counter to those things generally by people on the left. I see the sort of overly emotional, you know, we just, we are a racist because in and of itself it is true. It's just, it's self-evident that we're a racist nation. So what do you do when a certain set of people won't accept facts? Well, I, I go with the Bible, man. I mean, Jesus was preaching truth and facts and they killed him. And so my, my thing is that we need to just continue to promote facts and truth and understand that we're planting seeds. Not every single person is going to turn around every time we open our mouth and say something, but we have to be consistent with what we know to be true. Just like Jesus, even though they killed him, he was raised on the third day and now he's the most talked about person ever in history. The Bible is the most sold book in the history of the world. So we have to continue to stick with the mission, keep promoting facts and understand that we're planting seeds. And at some point those seeds will be watered. And one of the reasons why we can do that is because Candace and I are a product of seeds being planted. Like you said, Larry Elder and others planted seeds in us. And then in 2016, the perfect storm of enough water and sunshine sprouted up seeds that are now some of the most impactful individuals in the black movement. No, I mean, it's been unbelievable just to see this thing grow. It's, it's just, you know, I tweeted out about a year ago uh, in the midst of one of these stories that Trump's going to get something like 30% of the black vote. And of course, you know, nobody wants to be in the prediction game. And I had a lot of blue check lefties really angry at me for saying it. And of course, everything right now, it's like, who the hell knows what's going to happen. But I think you guys have made a dent and whether that dent is fully evident in this coming election or it, it's the one after or the one after, it, it just seems obvious. But, but let's move to sort of the immediacy right now because it seems to me this is no longer about George Floyd. I mean, when you're watching people burn down stores, break into liquor shops, loot the Nike store, tear down a Target, all of the rest of it, what, what do you think the transition is from a, a righteous cause of not wanting to see an, you know, uh, someone be killed unjustly to where we're at right now? Like how many steps does that take? And do you think some of this was pre-planned uh, before it all began just a couple days ago? Yeah, I think, man, I think it's a, it's a lot of people in our society that are just disgruntled. There's a lot of people who didn't get parent well. I, I, there's a lot of people that just want violence. They don't want justice. They want revenge. They have been brainwashed. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to work hard. They don't believe in the American dream. They hate this country. They hate themselves. And those people tend to, to flare up when we have incidents like this, because clearly 
They are not focused on George Floyd. They are not focused on police brutality. Police brutality has nothing to do with Foot Locker and Louis Vuitton and Gucci. It, it, it has nothing to do with stealing and burning down historical buildings. It has nothing to do with that. The man was arrested. It should be over. The protest should be over. The looting, the rioting, the outrage should be done with. But it's not. So we need to understand that there is a difference between individuals who are actually wanting something to change and then the individuals who are burning stuff down because they're brats and they're, they're just menace to society. And those two parties end up clashing because politicians and other liberal, and I say leftist black talking heads, won't be honest. They're coming out saying that it's Antifa and they're, and they're just completely forgetting or trying to evade the fact that there are Black Lives Matter individuals involved in this as well. So we need to take a tough stance in law enforcement. We need to start using force against individuals who are out here burning people's property and putting people's lives at danger. And then we also need to have the rhetoric from President Trump and other quality leaders who are saying enough is enough. We're going to deal with police brutality, but this is not the way to do it. You know, you mentioned the political leaders and it's like, well, Minnesota and Minneapolis, everyone involved, every public official is a Democrat. Every public official is a Democrat. This thing has nothing to do with Trump. Doesn't mean that Trump's reaction has been perfect. That's a separate issue. But every, every time this happens in one of these cities, in Atlanta, in Ferguson, wherever it might be, we find out that they're Democrat run cities. So to that end, or when you hear de Blasio in New York City, who, who doesn't, you know, he lets criminals out of jail and then tells them that, you're, you know, if you jump turnstiles, you won't even get a citation or anything like that. Do you think in many ways the ship has already sailed? Like, how can they reset it? You know, I've, I've talked to some people at the NYPD over the last couple of months. They've had it with the leadership, but I think they don't exactly know what to do because, you know, they are civil servants still, but they know that their leaders are not allowing them to restore law and order. Yeah, I think the citizens are waking up, man. I, even with the COVID epidemic and all that going on, you can see most of the liberal mayors, the liberal governors, they want people shut down forever. They don't want you to ever work again. They want you to be, they want to destroy your businesses. And people were able to see that with COVID. And now you look at the cities that are getting burned down. These liberal mayors and governors won't even contest these individuals. People's businesses are getting burned to the ground. They're never coming back. The reputation of the city is completely tarnished. They're willing to put you in jail for not wearing a mask or not social distancing, but they're letting people go have a free-for-all. And I'll tell you this, the governor of Minnesota came out and, and, and literally poked the bear of the black community, was making statements about how, oh, this is unjust and everything like that, got people riled up, and then when it hit the fan, they're not here to protect yeah. the citizens, the law-abiding citizens. So people are watching this unfold. And that's why myself, you, others, Candace Owens, you know, Larry Elder, a lot of other people that I know who are focused on facts are able to wake these people up. I get so many messages a day saying, thank God you exist. Thank God. I never thought of this before. But like... We are here to wake people up to the truth, not Democrat, not Republican, not black, not white, but waking people up to the truth of what's going on. And the citizens will turn first. And that's when everything will unravel and we'll have justice and we'll have uh, equality, I think, outside of this Democratic run situation. So speaking of the Democratic run situation, last time we did this, you were here uh, in my studio, in my home here in Los Angeles. So right now, I was just scanning Twitter before I started chatting with you, and I can see activists, Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists, 
talking about which neighborhoods to go to depending on whether they're, uh, they have immigrants there or it, it's more heavily black or more heavily white or the rest of it. What should law enforcement be doing right now? I mean, we know as seven o'clock rolls around and it gets darker, even if there's a curfew, we know what's gonna most likely happen tonight. It's gonna be the same thing that happened last night. Um, what should they be doing? I mean, what, if you're an officer, or you're the, you're the head of the LAPD, what, what should you be doing right now? It's time to take a strong stance. Uh, I said this on the news earlier, or it was a couple days ago, that America is acting like a parent with a kid that's out of control, and you just let them run wild. You, you already talked to them, you already put them in timeout, now it's time to get a whooping. You know, we've already told them they need to stop. We already, people have been arrested. If you keep doing this, you're going to have to be met with force. And if I was the head of, of LAPD or any chief in any one of these cities, you have to be met with force. You're not going to damage property. People are paying tax dollars for police to protect property and protect life. You come out here and you try to burn down buildings, you're going to get met with force. And all the way from minimal force, taser, pepper ball, uh, uh, beanbag gun, all the way to deadly force. If we do that force continuum, I guarantee you people will not be stealing from Louis Vuitton and going through the city, ravaging the city, tearing up homeless camps. It will not happen. The police department has to be strong. You keep taking a weak stance, they're going to take advantage of us. Is part of the fear there that the police officers or the administrators or the mayor, whoever it is, they know that if they take that strong, let's say tonight, they were like, all right, we're taking the stronger stance tonight. They know that causes a spike. That then causes the media to go more crazy. That then instigates a new wave of it. That, that in many ways, their acquiescence is exactly what has led to this, this situation that now seems like violence is the only thing that's going to end it. Yeah, and I get that. I understand. I mean, we, we had to have these conversations uh, at the University of Arizona when I was a police in Tucson because after they win the Final Four and they want to protest and burn down the city. So we, we I've had these conversations before, but like I said, I keep uh, liking it to a child. If you keep just pandering and saying, oh, I don't want to spank him today, it's just going to make him more upset. You got you to gotta be strong first and they'll react to it. There's going to be some fallout. There may be a couple people that lose their lives, but at some point we have to take a strong stance as a country, as a law enforcement agency, so we can be respected. People are going to hate police no matter what. And this is one problem that I have sometimes with Trump and some, sometimes I have with the, with the Republican administration is that stop worrying about what people who hate you gonna, are going to think about you. They're going to hate you if you do nothing. They're going to hate you if you take a strong stance. They're going to hate you if you're right. So just do what's right and don't worry about what the naysayers say. Did you happen to catch uh, Van Jones's comment in the last couple of days where he said what America has to fear more is the white Hillary voting liberals? Did, did you catch that by chance? Yeah, I saw, I saw a clip of that, which is one of the many things he said. <laughs> so yeah, so what do you make of just the general concept there of that much of this is sort of guilty white liberals. And now I know we're not identity politics guys, so of course I'm not I'm not condoning everything he's saying and I don't think you can lump white people together the same way you can't lump black people together. But but the general idea, let's remove color even, that it's sort of the guilty liberals who in many ways feed the feed the fire that then ends up destroying black communities. Yeah, it's the guilty liberals that are white and black because you have all these black leaders pushing the same agenda. You have white yeah, leaders pushing yeah. the same agenda. I mean, listen, the liberal mindset 
And I'm, I honestly wonder if it's a mental problem, like if it's a mental illness, I, I, I'm being honest. Like, why is it reasonable to not be rational? I, I just I just don't understand. 40s, 50 something genders. Everybody can do whatever they want to do, live whatever life you want to live. They claim that the police are the evil ones, but then they don't want you to have a rifle or have a, a gun to protect yourself. I mean, they, they want to let criminals go and bombard the city and do whatever they want to do. But if you a law-abiding citizen, you should be punished. They want you to wear a mask, but then they, then they allow people to, to not social distance because it's for the right cause. These are people who are illogical amongst us. And it's destroying our country and these same mentally uh, adverse individuals are the ones that have socialism, communism, the countries are destroyed over. And it's not just a color, it's a mentality because there's black and white people that are doing the same thing. And there's black and white people who are on the side of saying, let's wake up to this man. Let's stop hating each other. Let's stop the, the division. Let's stop lying about racism in this country. Let's stop, uh, talking about slavery and talking about Jim Crow. Let's start thinking logically and working together as brothers and sisters in this country to make it better. But these liberal people, I, I don't know what it is, man. Is it? I don't know if it's just that they want power more than they care about people and they're willing to say and do whatever to get to that point. Honestly, I can tell you what I think it is, which I think most of it's just lazy thinking. They don't want to think about these issues hard, so they think if they kind of feel that something's sort of right, they think that, that that makes it right. I've seen so many examples of this in the last couple of days where you can get these people to flip the positions that they held three months ago. So there was a, there was a tweet that I retweeted from somebody who said he's in, a, he's in an LA WhatsApp group, like a community WhatsApp group. And the woman who set up the community was originally set up so that it, they could get guns uh, out of their community. And now she's in there screaming in all caps, how can we get you know, security guards with guns to, to be watching our streets? And it's like, well, you guys take whatever position you need to take on any given moment. So when you call it sort of like a mental condition, I mean, I always call it, it's like a mind virus. You can, if they, don't have a, they don't have a principled stand. They just have, oh, I, I kind of feel like something. And, then, and that's a scary place to be, right? I mean, you can get people to do almost anything. Yeah, I mean, the saying goes that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you are living off of emotions, your emotions change, it, you know, and they become hypocritical. And there are people in our society that operate with facts. I don't know if it's from birth. I don't know if it, you're just more susceptible to think with facts and, and, and be logical. I don't know what it is, Dave. And I, I'm, I'm afraid that if we don't start calling this stuff out, the good people or the people who are strong minded, we're going to be overrun by these lunatics because they are willing to go all the way out. And some of us who are rational and logical, we're not. I'm not willing to go out and protest and burn down buildings for because I don't like the COVID-19 response. That's my last resort. That's after I've gone to the legislator. That's after I've complained to the governor. That's after I have been peaceful for a significant amount of time. I'm not willing to go and burn down places and kill people over, over emotions. And, and these are things that I believe the strong man has to stand up for and white people. And I don't want, I don't mean to play identity politics, but we need to start be keeping it 100. White people need to start being bolder and more brave and standing up against the lies against white, 
the white privilege, police brutality, all white people are bad, you're born with silver spoons, you, you, you are oppressing a black man. Listen, systematic oppression, systematic injustice is clear racism. Like, how are you saying that every judge is somehow racist against black people? That, that is asinine. To even make a statement like that when you when you don't have any variables, you cannot say that this judge in this county with this prosecutor, with this juror, you know, this jury pool convicted a white man this way and then turned around and convicted a black man this way. They're not making a one to one comparison. They're talking about somebody in L.A. Then they're talking about somebody in Georgia with total different laws, total different judges, different demographics, different different backgrounds, different history, different mitigating and aggravating circumstances. I just I just don't get it. And, I, and, I, and I'm getting frustrated and upset because we need to start standing up just like Donald Trump. I'm sick and tired of watching the left send everybody to prison. There's indictments every time I turn around for people on the right. They're condemning them. They call them a racist on TV. But then you see Don Lemon calling people like myself sellouts and Negroes and nothing happens with him. You see Hillary Clinton clearly breaking the law she should be in prison for what she did nothing happens to them all of this investigation of of pizza and all kind of other stuff and no nothing happens to them it's because we just sit on the sidelines we're gonna have to start stepping up and fighting back so with that in mind then and watching you know you're saying you're getting emails from all sorts of people and i hear it all the time too the people are waking up to this stuff and it's it it's hard to see right it's like you're watching a city burn and it's like oh man are there enough of these people who knows but but we're laying the seeds when uh when you heard the biden comments from a week or 10 days ago uh you ain't black if you ain't voting for me or whatever whatever the exact quote was um in many ways, did that just sort of sum up uh, almost everything that you've been fighting against for these last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, he put the icing on the cake. I don't know if he realized it or not. I don't even know where he was at at the time. But I mean, that is exactly what I believe the Democratic Party and a leftist ideology. That's how they feel about black people. Like, you can't think for yourself. How dare you? I can take away your your ethnicity. I can take away your value if you don't vote for me. Although I've been in office for 30 plus years and I've done nothing for you but put black people behind bars bragging about the 94 crime bill doing nothing. They these politicians have done nothing on both sides. But if you don't vote for me. You ain't black. And he didn't just say you are not black like he talks to white people and other individuals. Mm. He say you ain't black like he's suggesting that all black people are the same and that we're going to listen to your uh, uh, urban slang and we're going to somehow fall in line. The Democrats have been doing this from the beginning. They have never changed. Jim Crow, slavery, the KKK. It has never changed. It went from a physical bondage to a psychological bondage. And, and, and there are people, unfortunately, that fall for it because there are people that stood up for Joe Biden. They defended Joe Biden and they said it was a joke. They said all these other things. And that is exactly what, 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 what individuals used to do during the slave time where they had it good with the master and they felt like they were doing really well and they wanted to hold the other black people back on a the plantation. They didn't want them to be free. They didn't want them to go out and explore. And that's what these Democratic talking heads are doing to good good faith black people who just want something to change in their communities. 
Yeah, and by the way, it's not just the talking heads because I'm sure you've seen the same tweets I have from celebrities, black, white, and every other color who are, you know, they're egging it on while at the same time, you know, the Cardi B one, she's basically egging this thing on and then somebody posted, it's like, she's got a bowling alley in her house. I'm pretty sure she's gonna be okay. Pretty sure she's got a fence. Pretty sure she's got security guards. And I wonder if they were burning down her Whole Foods where she probably sends her employees to shop for her, if maybe she'd have, uh, be singing a different tune, you think? Oh yeah, you know they would. You know these people are fake. They're all disingenuous. I mean, it, it, these people, I, I don't know, like I'm saying, I don't know if it's intentional or these people are having a mental breakdown. I mean, Cardi B brags about drugging people and robbing people. A lot of these celebrities are celebrating criminals. They're celebrating rappers who spent their whole life selling drugs, beating people up, shooting people. And they're celebrating these very same people. And then when a young man like Tashan Lee, people may not know who he is, a young man in Chicago, he was nine years old, got shot up by two the gang members, they put cigarette butts out on them. When somebody like Tashaun Lee passes away or a nine-year-old getting killed in a, in, a, in a drive-by shooting or a young lady doing a schoolwork gets shot through the window because of knuckleheads out there uh, killing people, where are these people? Where are the celebrities? Chicago had the worst weekend since 2015. And I remember why they stopped in 2015 because before 2015, they had 82 shootings and 14 homicides. So and that's just one weekend. Where are the celebrities? Where is LeBron James? Where is Colin Kaepernick? He's not in Minnesota protesting. He's not doing anything. The only kneeing or kneeling that Colin Kaepernick is doing is probably to kneel down to pick up his Louis Vuitton bag that he didn't purchase <laughs> from that huge million-dollar Nike deal. These people are fake, Dave. They don't have no integrity. They have they have nothing. They're just they're just aimless, almost soulless shells walking around virtue signaling. Do we have any other ideas on how to keep breaking the, the paradigm then? I mean, I, you've been doing an incredible job of, of it, but anything else that we can do besides facts and being decent and trying to be upstanding citizens and the rest of it? No, man, I think it's, it comes down to education. It comes down to love. You know, sometimes you gotta do some tough love in there, but sometimes you do have to be uh, empathetic and you have to know your audience, man. Like if you're talking to a friend that you love and that you care about and y'all know each other, then you can be, you can have a softer approach. You can talk to them, send them videos and send them encouragement and, and, and remain a loving, decent friend. And then when you have people who, who they don't care about you, they hate you, your Uncle Tom sellout or fool or racist, then you can hit them with the hard facts and you can just keep pushing it because it, everything starts in here. Everything. Even, I know there's people that don't believe in God and there is a concept that, that I believe that is reasonable is the secret. You know, the book, The Secret. It starts up here. <laughs> I read it. You yeah, can yeah. manifest what you become in your mind. You can manifest your destiny. And I think it's associated with the Bible, too, because the Bible talks about manifesting and speaking life and death and power. the power of life and death is in your tongue. But you can speak things into existence. So if in your mind you are being told that the white man is against you, Racism is destroying America. You can't ever go here or there without the white man. The country is bad. You, your country will be bad to you. You will begin to fulfill the prophecy that you said in your mind. But if you begin to hear the truth and the truth is in your heart 
and you begin to understand logic and reason and you hear the truth about America, how America is the greatest country on planet Earth, how America is the least racist place you're going to you're going to ever exist in this dispensation of time, how America gives you the opportunity to become whatever you want. You can start from zero and become a billionaire when those things are implemented in your mind, perpetuated like hum great human beings like you and I, then people will begin to change. An atmosphere will begin to be created and we will see less of this evilness, hatred, dysfunction, and we'll see more people coming out of this thing being victorious and uniting as a uh, as an American front. You know, I should let you go there because it was it was a beautiful ending, but I, I do have one more for you. And I, I also want to mention that everything that you said there, you know, I spent a year and a half on tour with Jordan Peterson. And one of the things that he would push almost every single night of the tour was that if you just told the truth, the amount of correction that you could put into the world would be unimaginable. And I think that really is what you're saying there. So I do have one more for you though, because I think this is where a lot of people that are, that are maybe disaffected lefties or confused liberals or whatever that is, but they're waking up and they're suddenly going, oh, maybe the police can't protect me the way I thought, or, or all of the things that we're all thinking right now. I know you're also a big uh, Second Amendment advocate, obviously. Can you just talk a little bit about how people should not be afraid of guns and maybe should be willing to take a little more responsibility for uh, the security of themselves, their property and their family? Because I think there is, I think that's the next growing movement right now is all the lefties who thought they'd always be safe in Beverly Hills, who suddenly are watching it burn. I mean, quite literally right now and going, uh-oh, well, maybe I do have to protect myself. Yeah, I mean, this is a free, uh, I don't know, 90-day trial to communism. And it's also a 90-day trial to a Second Amendment class. I mean, if you just have been existing in America, you could have, you could have dropped off another planet. You have come to America. You're going to realize that socialism and communism and the stuff that the left is pushing is something that nobody wants. And then you're also going to realize that you probably should carry a firearm to defend yourself because this is something that I've been telling people for years. As a former police officer, I understand that cops cannot uh, be teleporting everywhere to save you. They, we don't need, we are another, another call. Somebody breaks in your house, you have to then call 911 and you know the process. It takes minutes and your life can be uh, uh, lost or saved in seconds. People should stop all of the believe in the media and the, and, the, and, the, and the AR-15s and the big boogeyman and start realizing what the founding fathers were thinking when they implemented your second amendment. And people should realize this as well. Guns don't have to be a scary thing. Go to a gun range. Get your CCW license. Shoot at the firearms range because you are getting a front row seat to if you do nothing and you sit back with your hands up and hope to God that the police are going to show up to your mansion, you're going to end up in a bad position. You're going to end up with your hands up and your pants down. And I don't want to live like that. And I don't want other people to. So listen to people who are logical, like myself and others, who are telling you and been warning you for years, go and get yourself personal protection firearms. If it's a shotgun, if it's a handgun, if it's an AR, I have all of them. Get those for your household because it's not, you know, just the looters that you have to worry about. It's not just the criminals that you have to worry about. 
you should have the, those protections in case there's a, a problem with foreign entities coming into our country, terrorism coming into our country. All of those things, you can assure your protection if you just adhere to the Second Amendment. Brandon, I got to tell you, everyone always asks me when I get interviewed, they say, what's your favorite type of guest? And I always, it's so obvious to me. It, it's the type of people that are clearly just doing what they're supposed to be doing. I, I don't know that there's a better example than you because you are just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, I know you got a million things to do. Thanks for uh, joining us. It's at Officer Tatum on Twitter, and uh, we'll tag in all that good stuff and just keep it up, man, please. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on, man. I love you, brother, and I'll see you the next time. Ha, ha, ha.